what would you say to someone that was, uh, you know, really skeptical or really shocked that DSD is doing something like that? Um, to somebody who was super skeptical, I would say first and foremost, um, have some faith in us. Give us a chance. Let us show you, you know, what we've been able to develop. Okay, well, welcome to the DSD Hunting Podcast, take two. <laughs> Why take two, Brad? Uh, let's see. Uh, I think we had some technical issues last week, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see, was that your fault? No. Was it your fault? Mm-hmm. No. Who's, Who's oh, wait, in there's charge three of recording? Of there's three of us in this room. Yeah. Let's see. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. If it's not the host or the co-host, it's Scotty Dent. <laughs> yeah, so um, we're recording this for the second time, so we have to remember everything that we said the first time, and we have to have have to say it with feeling again, like <laughs> like we're acting. But we recorded a over one hour podcast, and uh, turns out our producer Scott. Uh, well, wasn't actually recording. Not it. only did we record a one-hour podcast, but we we felt like it went pretty well. I mean, I I seem to recall we got up and we were like high-fiving and stuff once it yeah. was over. Yeah, I was I was like emotional. I mean, once it was over. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, oh man, and I I wasn't able to sleep before. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was stressing about it, and it's like, oh, what a what a relief to get it done. I know. I mean, thank God we got that off our chest, you know? <laughs> it was like, what it was like is when uh, a super emotional thing happens and like the newscast comes and they 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 record the guy and he's just like crying like crazy and telling him what happened and all this stuff. And then they're like, oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't have film in the camera. Could you do that again? Like with all the same emotion. Didn't have film in the camera. Well, that was... Okay, that was a reference. <laughs> Wouldn't well, that have been like back in the eighties? <laughs> yeah, nineties. Okay, all right. Well, I was watching "I Dream of Jeannie" and Gilligan's Island <clears throat> when that happened. So, well, what what were we talking about? What was this about? Uh well, we were talking about the new Snow Goose Project. Um, oh yeah, that's right. That was a handful. <clears throat> yep, we were talking about. The fact that um, it is the first DSD product that we outsource the production of. That's a brand new thing for us. And that, was, uh, that has been quite a interesting and uh, quite a, a rewarding and difficult, long, arduous task. And but I'd say that it's well underway. I'd say that. I'd say that we made it, wouldn't you? I would say that we made it as well, yes. But it didn't come easy, that's for sure. Oh, no. No. <laughs> well, why don't you tell people why we outsourced um, the production of our Snow Goose? And uh, you give your version, and I'll give my version. We probably have different, <clears throat> we probably have different reasons. Me from the artistic side and you from the, from the business side. Uh, if anybody listening realizes that... Um, I want to make it clear. Brad is the brains of our of our business. Brad and Greg and Scott um, and Nolan and Tim and the rest of our crew are the brains of our organization. 
and me, I am the, um, what, what am I again? I'm the, I can't remember what I am, but anyways, I think I'm the artsy guy. Hmm. <clears throat> so you are the artsy guy. Yeah. Whatever that's worth it. Okay. Anyways, go ahead. Why did, why would we outsource a DSD product? Well, um, in this particular case, I think it had a lot to do with the product itself, being a snow goose decoy, one that um, you know was in high demand. We had one customer alone asking us for you know five thousand of them right out of the shoot, and uh, and so there was certainly a supply versus demand issue there. Uh, we just weren't going to be able to keep up with. Um, with the demand and um, there was also a um, a lot of cost concerns as well Um, so what so on the on the the supply and demand thing what you're saying is if we had decided to make it ourselves basically that would take up all of our time and effort we wouldn't be able to make any other goose decoys basically yeah, giving you giving you a rough idea of how it would have translated to production, um, it would have taken off taken us roughly an entire year to make all the snow goose decoys that we needed to make. Um, wow! For just this initial order, and, so and that would have one- meant that for one year we were making no, you know, honkers giants lessers specks deer turkeys turkeys yeah i didn't realize that i kind of thought that meant maybe one <clears throat> one season or if we divided divided that up into our goose production seasons that would be two goose production seasons two two years of not making any other decoys for for anyone which is kind of out of the question so people people need massive numbers of snow goose decoys and they also, um, I mean, they also don't want to pay, um, you know, DSD prices, uh, are, and, and what, and what it typically costs us to make, um, uh, you know, a comparable decoy, um, that would be extremely expensive. Is that part of it also? Definitely. Yeah. I, nobody wants to pay six or $700 a dozen for for a snow goose decoy because they're not getting three dozen right yeah right they're getting 300 or three thousand so so then we ran into the the big difficulty because we've never done anything like this before so now we have a product that really needs to be made uh somewhere else and so a it looks like in the industry um once in a while, a decoy has been made in Mexico. People have tried Mexico, but China is predominantly where most of the decoys are made. And, I mean, how do you figure out where where to make decoys? And, and if it is China, um, how do you figure out, you know, where in China? Or, you know, how do you feel about the quality of Chinese-made decoys and how has that evolved, like, over, over time? Um, well, I, I think that... Well, first of all, most duck and goose decoys these days are made in China, and um, 
in recent years, especially uh, the quality of the decoys that are coming out of China has come a really, really long ways. I mean, it's come, oh, geez, it seems like it's come light years and, you know, just even the last 10 years. Um, you know, there used to be all kinds of quality issues with paint not sticking and and all kinds of limitations in terms of, um, you know, undercuts that you couldn't get out of certain, you know, carvings over there uh yeah due to the blow molding process and and um and and now you look at the decoys that are are coming off you know coming out of these factories nowadays and they've come a really really long ways they not only look super realistic but um but the the paint's sticking to them a lot better sure than it it did yeah i i remember um, for me, the first, the first decoys that I was really excited about coming out of China, um, were redhead mallards and they were, they were carved by, you know, like a world-class carver. And I remember just freaking out because I, I thought they just looked so cool and stuff. And then they were made out of polyethylene and they were, I think they were painted, um, just on bare untreated polyethylene. And, um, they were, you know, they were affordable and it felt to me like I was buying like this custom decoy at an affordable price and paint was flaking off those things like really, really bad. And people were freaking out about it. And I remember, I mean, just anybody that was willing to sell them to me, um, I was buying them cause I was just, I just loved the carving so much and I just said to myself well I'll figure out a way to make paint stick to them and I'll get, I'll paint them myself and you know I just I just loved them but that was in you know in my recent memory that those were the first decoys where it kind of opened my mind and uh made me see while well, there's some p- potential there but definitely some bugs to work out but when we talk about the quality of Chinese made decoys and how far it's come um you know we can't have this conversation without pointing out, um, you know, who, who was responsible for, for this, you know, evolution and revolution of these, of the, the quality. And I, I hate to leave anybody out. I'm sure there were a lot of other people in, involved. And so if, um, you know, I apologize if I, if I'm not, you know, giving credit, um, to, to, to everyone, but the first person I think of is Fred Zink. And, um, I think, that he did a lot through hard work um, and diligence to um, to advance uh, the capabilities in China, and you know we we just don't want to be one of those companies that comes along and and uh, um, you know reaps the benefit of someone else's efforts and not and not give them credit or not point out. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, you know how many times that's happened to, to you and I where you know somebody comes along and takes advantage of a market that we created created or something like that and never points out that that we helped create that market or something like that so i definitely don't want to do that but i kind of feel i remember going to the waterfowl festival in eastern maryland the world goose calling contest and freddie kind of pulled me aside and showed me um the first one i think um that he made which was the one that he showed me was a teal excuse me and um i think it was a green wing teal um 
and it looked really, really good. And it was done by, a, you know, some really, really good world-class carver. I don't know who um, at the time, but it was just, it was pretty exciting because, you know, that was sort of like the beginning of the whole process of just advancing decoys quite a bit. Now, we could maybe take a little bit of credit of, uh, in the fact that we, we kind of started um, some of that um, revolution of making, trying to make ultra realistic decoys. We started it with geese, but um, ducks followed uh, by by other companies. And at that time, you know, it was Fred Zink and Avery Greenhead Gear. You agree with all that? I do. Or any of that? <laughs> I do. I I still remember it quite vividly. So, um, so f- to make a snow goose in China, um, we were in an interesting uh, position, and that is we were we're the first first company to go over to China um, to have decoys made, where we've actually made decoys. We actually make decoys ourselves. So in China, um, they seemed really excited about that. Um, they they're used to kind of being told, well, this is what we want, generally what we want, and um, these are the parameters, and just do your best. And sometimes that ends up um, that en- that ends up in a decoy that's not of super super high quality. Or in China, you know, they're doing their best, but they're not getting the direction that they really need. And what, what I was ple- pleasantly surprised to find out um, in China is that they have the ability to make a really, really, really good decoy. Um, they have the technology um, and the materials and all that stuff. But what they've been missing for the most part is just some good direction. And so in our case, we've been making decoys for 20 years. And um, we got to tell them uh, we got to tell them exactly how we wanted them made, and uh, they were very responsive, and um, that's been great, I would say. Well, and, and another thing is, um, I think that um, they, they've really been hesitant in the past to offer, you know, alternate uh, means of doing things. Um, for certain companies over there based on on added cost. And what I mean by that is, sure. remember how many times we were working with them and we said, well, no, no, we really need you to do this or we need you to do this. And they would resist and resist and resist like crazy. And then finally they'd be like, well, okay, fine, we can do that, but it's going to cost you more money. And we're like, yeah. that's okay. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> the, the whole, the whole um, push by a lot of other companies is to just absolutely get the 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 costs down as low as you can possibly get them um, get profits as high as we can possibly as they can possibly get them and then also it is a super competitive like you know if, like take the mallard floater for example and you know I think my cousin has a mallard floater and your neighbor has a mallard floater like it's just like there's so many of them it's just it's just ridiculous and I'm exaggerating it exaggerating about that but and so one of the only things you can do to stand out in the marketplace is just just lower the costs and just it's just a it's a race to the bottom like who can who can make the cheapest uh decoy and that's how you know that's how you're gonna that's how you're gonna win well 
you know, DSC doesn't have a reputation of being like the, you know, the, the cheapest decoy. That's, that's for sure. And, um, there's already so many, um, super inexpensive decoys out there. And what we did is we just didn't just, we just didn't pull back on anything when it came to quality and materials, um, because that's how we've been doing our own production for a long, long time. And so, and then, yeah, they were, um, they were kind of pleasantly surprised about that. It seemed too, you know, they were, they're kind of happy to use the better materials. They're happy to test. They've got all the material to test, uh, to test the paint adhesion, the paint durability, the, um, the, the, um, sun, you know, UV resistance, you know, like how, how much will it, um, degrade in sunlight over time? They've got awesome technology and awesome machinery for testing all that stuff. And they're excited to use it. And, you know, when we were telling them that, okay, this is what it has to, it has to meet all these, uh, criteria, um, they were, they were really good at it and excited about it. And then using the better materials, um, it, it is more expensive, but it's still less expensive than making a decoy here, you know? All right. And so it still, it still, it still saves the, con- the consumer money. Um, so that was kind of a, that was kind of a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I was, one thing that I was surprised about is how long it took, how long the whole process took. Um, did that surprise you? I mean, just the, the whole development process. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess it took a little longer than I was expecting, but uh, I certainly wasn't expecting it to be fast. Yeah. You know? Well, um, what I think what surprised me about it is the, the fact that we would tell, you know, we would, we would communicate to them and we did a lot of our communication by, um, giant screen TV and with 4k imaging and stuff. And that, that was really cool to be able to do that. But there was just so many times when, um, we had to define, you know, the, the criteria, you know, and, and so many little things like, you know, we kind of look at it and we go, well, it's a snow goose and it's, it's basically white and, and, uh, doesn't seem like there's that much to it, but boy, by the time you get our motion cone in there and detailed, um, legs and leg butts and all the subtle colors on the, the, the bill and, um, and then not to mention all the colors of the blue goose. Um, and then right down to things like the steak and packaging and boxes and, and all that stuff. And it, it's taken, taken quite a long, quite a long time, but, but well worth it. And now the whole project is where, where are we at with it? Would you say we're on the verge of final approval? Um, in fact, within the next 24 hours, we may, we may literally be signing off on our final our final approval of the whole, you know, development process. And, and that's going to be a great feeling. Yeah, for sure. And then when did it start? So how, how long did it take from, from not from conception of the project? Cause we know the, you know, the sculptures took a long time cause we have got a, a guy who's really slow back in that department. <coughs> but, um, as far as when we first initiated the project, 
um, to be made in China um, to to now. How long has that been? Oh boy, I'm just going to be ballparking it here. Uh, I'd say around a year, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I was Scott. What do you think? I, th- I was thinking even a little longer. Maybe, yeah, maybe a year and a half. Yeah, I was thinking like a year and a half. Okay. So, so what about? Um, so, what are you going to say, Brad? To um, since uh, you you have a lot of you have a lot of uh, um, correspondence with our customers and stuff. What are you going to say to um, if if anyone is like um, really you know shocked that we're making a decoy in China or and also how has how has the response been so far? I mean, obviously a ton of our customers know, if not all of our customers. I mean, um, and we've sold a, a lot of decoys already, sight unseen. Um, how has how has the the overall reception been? And what would you say to someone that was uh, you know really skeptical or really shocked that DSD is doing something like that? Um, to somebody who was super skeptical, I would say first and foremost, um, have some faith in us. Give us a chance. Let us show you, you know, what we've been able to develop with this other company uh, before you go, you know, writing us off. And um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And as far as as far as how the response has been so far, I, surprisingly to me, we haven't had anybody. Um, Who's who's been um, voicing any concerns to me, really? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, like we we have a lot of customers customers that really love the fact that our decoys are made in the USA, and they 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 say that and they quote that and all that stuff, or whatever. And and we we love that too. Um, and you know, but you, you get to something like a snow goose. And there's just not a whole lot of choice. I mean, right. there's just, there's just, well, it's the reason why we haven't had a snow goose yet. Right. Yep. I mean, we've been in business a long time and the only thing we've done for a snow goose is, is paint our lesser Canada goose. <clears throat> and that, you know, it works okay. It's, it works good because of our, it has our, our finish. Um, but we haven't done a dedicated snow goose sculpture and that's the reason why. And so it kind of comes down to, you know, the choices are, well, we could just continue, continue to, to not have one, or we can, you know, or we can kind of think outside the box and do what we have to do to get one. So, yeah. Yeah. And we were, we were asked to specifically design a snow goose decoy. And, um, and yeah, at that point we just started looking into, you know, how can we make this happen? And, and this was really the, the, the only way we, you know, we, we decided in the end, this was the only way we could make it work. Yeah. So, so do you have a description for the, the new snow goose as far as its features and size or any, any, anything about it that people would want to know? Oh man. I, awesome. I, I can't wait. Um, the, the first, the first shipment is right now scheduled to arrive. Um, the week of September 16th, just in time for Canada for a lot of us. And um, as far as the decoys themselves go, um, B 
because these decoys are blow molded rather than roto molded like they would have been had we made them here in the States, um, we're able to get away with a thinner wall, which means that the, um, the decoys weigh less as mm -hmm. a result. So I'll give you an example. The prototypes that we made last year of the Snow Goose decoy, we roto molded them. So that, that gives you an idea um, you know, what they would weigh had we been making production snow goose decoys here in the States. They were three and a half pounds each. The blow molded decoy, two pounds each. So it's almost half wow. the weight, or a little more than half the weight. So that's a great, great feature, you know, especially when you have a large trailer full of them. Um, or, you know, like, uh, like, like my, my group of, uh, buddies and a lot of other hunters like to do, um, hauling them out in, in seed sacks, you know, from the trailer into the field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got 30, 40 plus decoys in a seed sack and it can get pretty heavy if they're, you know, it's nice, nice having two pound decoys yeah. a piece rather than three and a half pound. Sure. Yeah. That adds up quick. Yep. For sure. Um, so yeah, the the weight is is really nice. Um, that's going to make them move a little easier in the wind too, mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, we added a realistic cast leg, full size realistic cast legs on onto uh, the snows and blues, which look really really cool. It's it's essentially a full leg without a foot, and uh, a new uh, motion cone brand new for our snow goose decoy it's it's a system we've never featured before it's it's got a really large uh, funnel-like shape to it we actually call it our our cowbell because uh, it's, it's roughly the shape of a cowbell it's large at the bottom and then it tapers into a cylinder near the the top um, the back of the decoy but uh, the opening in the the bottom of the decoy is about two and a half inches wide by about six and a half or seven inches long. So in the dark, it's real nice and easy to find sure. stake with that, yep. with that opening. Uh, the stakes come with a reflective, white reflective tape and a red cap on the end of it. So you get that, you know, that good red, red on white contrast. So they're easy to find um, in the dark. And uh, they all come with a tail loop included. Um, you know, bungee bungee style tail loop for picking up handfuls of them. And it's 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 a little bit bigger loop than than that the first run of decoys that we did that had a tail loop on them. Uh, Jerry Miller's original decoys; those tail loops were made of um, little hair scrunchies, and they were like a one and a half inch diameter and they were they were kind of hard to um i think that might be why we discontinued them but kind of hard to to carry very many decoys on them but these ones are are a little bit larger and i think they'll be a little more user friendly uh-huh and, uh... and then on the uh just to back up a little bit and explain a little bit about um, roto molding versus blow molding they so the the way we make decoys now is is ro you know cold cast roto molding where we we, we have like a polymer resin where you kind of mix A and B together, stir it, and pour it into a mold. And then that gets um, rotated around and 
and the, the resin is coat, coating the inside of the mold until it cures. <clears throat> and then we open the mold and take the decoy out. And um, that's, a, that's a good system, and it's a, it's a great um, system for being able to pick up a ton of, um, you know, f- fine, fine detail and, and, you know, use rubber molds and all that stuff. Um, but it, it, you're right. It's a, it's a, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit heavy and we have to make it kind of thick to make the decoy durable enough. Um, and then what's kind of neat about blow molding is that's a thermoplastic. So instead of it being a, you know, a polymer that you mix A and B together, you're, you're, you're actually just melting the plastic to, uh, um, you know, to a pliable state. And then like, it's, it's more or less, you know, hanging a bubble inside a metal mold and then injecting air into it to, to inflate it. And that presses to the inside. So <clears throat> presses to the inside and cools. And so the beauty of it is one is there's no waste because, um, you know, anything that flashes off it, or if you make a bad part or anything like that, you just throw it back into the, into the grind and, and re, you know, reheat it and make a new, a new part. So, um, it's efficient that way. And then just the nature of it, it's just stronger. Um, and, um, so that's how you're able to make a thinner, thinner wall. And, um, one of the things that I, that I like about it, that's, that's kind of cool is it also makes, um, it also makes a part that doesn't have any air bubbles. And one of the things with ACEs, and, you know, the air bubbles, it's kind of a love-hate relationship with the air bubbles. ACE does, and just, you know, polymers in general, um, produce air bubbles because there's, there's surface tension um, on, you know, on the mold surface. Um, and those those air bubbles are kind of, um, they're kind of unsightly or whatever. It's not that big of a deal, but from a, from a you know, from a hunting standpoint, they probably actually are good. You know, because it actually roughs roughs the surface surface up a little bit. Uh huh. But it also, um, it's kind of nice that we'll have a snow goose decoy and a blue goose decoy that doesn't have any air bubbles at all, um, just from an aesthetic standpoint. That's probably something that I think about more than anybody else. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, but I mean, you've spent more time on the uh, sculpture than anybody else, so you should. I just want to see, yeah, I want to see my little babies um, <laughs> produced as as close as possible to the original. But also, I like killing shit. So, um, if it comes like like a cackler de- cackler decoy or something, um, if it comes out with air bubbles on it and it makes it makes it really 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 flat, that's that's kind of cool too, you know. So yeah, both both ways are good. Yeah, well, I'm I'm super excited to get some of these new production snow goose decoys out you know again i've had the, the the pleasure and the privilege i should say to hunt over the the prototype decoys um and and sure enjoyed hunting with them but um yeah really really looking forward to hunting over the production yeah production decoys this year for sure me too what what's and what's your what's your canada plan What's your first hunt? Uh, well, we're. It looks like we're probably going to be leaving in in early October. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, go up there for a week and shoot snows and specks. I love doing it. We don't really have much opportunity to do that down here in Oregon. There's getting to be more opportunities in the Northwest, though, as we see more 
snow geese. Um, I do go down to California every year and, and chase snows and specks down there and have a mm. lot of fun doing that. Mm-hmm. But uh, aside from that, um, yeah, a week up there in, in Canada is something I look forward to every year. Just love the love the diversity of birds up there. Yeah, for sure. So another feature on the snow goose that just reminds me because I was thinking about um, experience, some experiences with with other snow goose decoys in the past. Um, uh, but one of the things that we put a lot of effort into and had to you know check and double check and triple check and make sure it was done right and found a way to to um, make sure that it happened is that the <clears throat> the decoy itself is not translucent. It's very opaque and that was really, really important to us. I mean, would you agree with that, that that's a really important feature? I completely agree. Yeah. Having seen, having seen it with my own eyes and, and what can happen, um, if, if you don't have that, um, opaqueness down just right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like it, they get like a glow to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you know, I don't know if it's, you know, a reflection off the ground or snow or, you know, coming up through or if it's, or if it's light diffusing down through the top or something, but yeah, if it's, especially on a white decoy, um, if it's not opaque, it really has a, a weird glow to it, you know? And then another thing is, is, you know, we, I guess, I guess we've, we've kind of taken it for granted or whatever, but we've put quite a bit of effort into the finish on our decoys. And we, we made the purchase of a, of a spectrometer a few years ago. And, um, you know, that, that's just an amazing tool, an amazing piece of technology. And, you know, kind of what we've learned is it's, it's funny that the industry, they either have paint that has no, um, no reflection at all in the ultraviolet, uh, spectrum, the ultraviolet range, or they have UV paint that that re- reflects 100% of, or almost 100% of ultraviolet rays. And and then what we've learned is that ne- neither of those are remotely remotely correct, um, and that the real thing is somewhere in bet- between. But I I don't want to I don't want to tell anybody where it is and on which colors and patterns, because um, in the past we've had a lot of a lot of situations where me with my, you know, um, trusting nature and big mouth, you know, would I'll say something that would, that we discovered about colors or something like that. And then next thing you know, that a whole bunch of other decoys are coming out exactly like that. And I'd love to share all that with all the other decoy makers, but you know, we also have to eat. I've got to make a living too, you know, <laughs> but basically the, um, all we'll, we'll leave it at is that the finish, the finish is good. And it's very well tested, and uh, it makes a huge difference. I mean, I don't know if everyone really realizes, but uh, bird vision birds are able to see colors in the ultraviolet spectrum. That's a that is a group of colors that humans are unable to see. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, to give people an idea of how important important that is. Um, there are in South America. There are um, songbirds that look identical to the human eye, but they're actually two subspecies. 
And for the longest time, um, ornithologists have wondered why there's very little to no interbreeding between these two subspecies that look absolutely identical to humans. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because um, one of them has, the, the males have a, a completely different um, co you know, color on them that we just simply can't see. And so to, to each other, the birds look totally different. And that's, uh, and that's just one example. Like, um, there basically there are, there are finishes and sometimes patterns and sometimes colors, um, on birds and on bird feathers that, um, that we just, that we just can't see. And it's, it's important to, to match those as close as possible. And, um, we, we're not able to do it with our eye, and that's where the spectrometer um, come, comes through and shines for us. Sure. Um, another thing we ought to mention is that um, we, we took a kind of a, an untraditional approach when it came to the actual color of our snow goose decoys. We um, see a lot of, you know, whites out there on on other snow goose decoys that are very cool yeah you know very bluish in color yeah yep. and and we went for based on you know based on reference material um we went with a with a warmer white yeah you know one with more of a more of a yellowish goldish yeah that really to it. surprised me when we were first when we were first starting this project, I remember, um, it's rare that we ever get our hands on, you know, competitors decoys, but most of us have snow goose, snow goose decoys, um, because, you know, DSC has hadn't made a dedicated snow goose. Um, but I just, I remember taking pictures and noticing like, my gosh, look at these, look at these, uh, these decoys. And they're just like this bright, bright bluish white. And then look at the look at the birds and the birds were not that color at all. Mm -mm. And then I remember, you know, painting the first, uh, prototypes, um, for color testing and, you know, swatch testing and, um, testing with the spectrometer. And, uh, and it was just, it was a pretty stark difference. And it's funny, you know, you think of white, I'm sure that those other people said, you know, like, you know, by the way, just paint them white. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, but, it's like if you have a white car, white a white truck. You have a white truck, Brad. If you were to, if you were to get a uh, in a you know a wreck, you know, God forbid or whatever, and you, you went to get your truck fixed, you can't just tell them like, oh, paint it white. Like you know, you wouldn't believe how how many colors of white there are, uh, how many shades of white, and and there's warm whites and um, cool whites, and you know, all kinds of almost all whites are an off white of some kind or some kind or another. So. Yeah, it was important to get that get that color get that color right and get that finish right, and I think it'll make a, a I think it'll make a big difference in in how well they work too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, uh, so what's next? What's next? Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, what I'm working on is I'm back to I'm back to honkers, and in this case. Um, based on my promise to our good, our good buddy, Scott Trinan, I'm making a honker sleeper shell. 
and a stackable sleeper shell. A right? stackable sleeper shell. Yep. And um, that is something that um, we've had requests for for a long, long time, and we have, uh, um, you know, we have some good, some good friends, um, some great, some great hunters that that really um, have put a lot of pressure on us for a long time to to make one. And we have, we currently have a what we call like a full body sleeper, um, <clears throat> but it's just not the same because it's heavy. And you can't stack them, and uh, it's you know it's 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 ultra realistic because the sides you know the side pockets curve in mm-hmm. inward, and so and that's what I'm more comfortable with you know from a sculpting standpoint is just making it as accurate as possible. Um, but you know I'm gonna have to give up a little bit of that because the, the side pockets are gonna have to go straight down so that it's stackable. But nonetheless, that is what that's what so many people want. And um, I'm excited for my own hunting just to uh, take it to the Columbia River or something like that and, and have massive numbers of them and put them out on a sandbar. And I honestly, I would, I think some of that could make a really good confidence decoy for duck hunting. Um, oh, I bet. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm excited to take it down to the coast and, and in pastures and um, just to make a big presence. And so, you know, we'll, we'll find ways to use it. We, we don't get you know, this massive ice over here. Um, but I'll bet you that we'll find fun ways to use them. But a lot of our friends do, um, do have, uh, do hunt a lot on ice and snow and I, and they want large numbers of decoys that are, that are, you know, packable and stackable. Yep. Yeah. <coughs> well, and so getting back to our, um, our discussion about the snow goose project and how we outsource that is would you say that this project that you're talking about now the stackable canada shell is is that something that we're move forwarding or moving forward with now because we can yeah and so it's something that we've just never been able to do here yeah i mean that <clears throat> that's a pretty good point i mean like oh i'm almost hesitant to bring that up um because I don't want people to think like, oh my God, that's just the direction that we're going or, or, or whatever. But I will, <clears throat> I will admit that this, like seeing in China what their abilities are and what their technology and cap- capabilities are, I mean, it, it did open my, my mind um, to a lot of things. Like there's, there's some things that they can do there that we, will, we would never be able to do. Um, and <clears throat> so that that's kind of what I'm kind of excited about right now um, is thinking about some of these, pro- some of these projects that, that we could, that we could do because we, we've kind of made, you know, made that, made that leap. I mean, since day one, we've all thought about or talked about, or, you know, the possibility of outsourcing, you know, some projects or whatever. And, but it's just such a monumental um, task like, where do you start? And, you know, how do you go about doing it? And now that we've gone through that super, super long, arduous project um, process, um, then it's kind of, it does kind of get you thinking about, well, heck, these guys can do this, and they also have this ability. And, like, when it comes to a stackable, to a stackable shell, I don't know exactly how they'll make it, but they might thermal form it or vacuum form it. <coughs> and... um 
that's something that we can't do and we don't have that ability. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, our options really for, for a sleeper are pretty much what we've already done, which is a full body where it's a complete encapsulated hollow, um, with an underside. So that adds extra weight and all that stuff, unless we, you know, cut the bottom out or something. But, uh, so that's a, that's a project that, um, I probably, you know, it's another one of those where people have asked us for a long, long time to do it. And that's been our holdup. We have not been able to do it because we don't, we don't have that, we don't have that technology or that ability. And it takes a ton of room and a ton of expensive equipment and stuff. And, you know, we don't, we don't have an excess of either of those. (laughs) So, so yeah, that's not to mention blow molding and vacuum forming equipment is not exactly cheap. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Um, but you know, still excited to make, make our, all our traditional decoys too. And that's just super fun and rewarding. And I like that too, cause we're, you know, it's hands-on. We've got control, control over it and all that stuff for like right there and stuff. And, uh, we get to employ, employ a bunch of good people. So, you know, the, the ultimate, I guess, is the best of both worlds use, um, use China or anywhere that can make really, really good products for those products that we are not able to do ourselves. Uh, that seems to be a, that seems to be a pretty good, I mean, and there's always, there's never anything wrong with offering, you know, offering the consumer a a lot of different options and letting them decide what, what makes the most sense for them. Yeah. Yeah. So anybody listening? No. um, Don't, uh, (laughs) yeah, no, there's nobody listening. Anybody listening that's like, um, you know, worried that DSE has gone off the deep end. We haven't gone off the deep, the deep end. Yes. Our new snow goose decoy is made in China. Um, you probably knew that, knew that already, but if you didn't know that, you know it now. And, um, you know, we just, uh, we're excited about it and just, you know, trust us, know that, um, this will be different than any Chinese made decoy that, that you've ever seen. And the difference is, is because we are DSD and we are, um, insane about, uh, making things right and quality and making things, um, anatomically correct. And the fact that we've made decoys in the past, um, gave us a huge leg up in China to tell them exactly how we wanted to made. And we probably drove them crazy for a year and a year and a half. Um, but we're okay with that though, too. Yep. 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 Well said, well said. All right. Well, um, I'm not sure if we quite made it to one hour, but, uh, I think that kind of sums up everything we had to say. What do you think? Dave? We, we said about all we can say on that subject. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I think we lost probably half our listeners, 
uh, yeah. 20, 30 minutes ago. But. Yeah, we do we do much better when we have an exciting guest. Yeah, uh, when it's just me and you, I just picture people like like if they um, if they have like a baby or something like that, they just they can't. They're trying to put them down for a nap or whatever. Right. They could just turn this on and like so you know the kid would just be like sneezing. Well, hey, plus. There's only probably at best a 50% chance that Scott's been recording, so... <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. So, well, maybe the third time will be a charm, if not. So, Well, if yeah. you're hearing this out there, that means that Scott um, was recording and he still has his job. Unless he's done something between now and then to lose his job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well... From all of us here at the DSD Hunting Podcast, thanks for joining us. Uh, Until next time. (laughs) 